Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easy, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. Here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like I have an outlet for the creativity and ideas I want to share with the world. I recommend you give it a try. We all have a voice, so share it with the world. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things historical, biblical, and strange. We're trying to unpack the supernatural, how it connects to history, the present, and the future. So we really just want to dive into that journey of how do we understand the context of what we see around us, what happened in the past, and how it connects to the future. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be again when I come back. That's what we want to understand, so enjoy. So um, I thought we'd try to do a quick recap uh, for those that missed it, and then try to jump into the next thing. About the tribes, and it's obviously not going to be exhaustive. We'll we'll keep it going and uh, um, add to it and let people do their own research and discussion. But uh, so I was looking in the um, the footnotes of my of one of my Bibles, my main Bible that I use mm-hmm. uh, for Numbers uh, chapter fourteen with the Fies report and the Giants. Okay. Well, at a footnote that took you over, and it it actually said Nephilim. It said the Hebrew word for Giants is Nephilim. So mm-hmm. that's where it, And then some people get very... Like this the guy you shared, he was referring to the original offspring as Nephilim. But he was also referring to the children and the generations. He was still using the same term, oh. Nephilim, Nephilim, for the different generations. Some people like to make the um, Rephaim, I think it is. Yeah. So some like to keep the, the term Nephilim uh, with the original right. GNA. Or the original, the pure form of 50-50. Fifty, but if you have, if if they're reproducing and they're producing more, um, some people don't like using the term nephilim. Right. But yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard Raphaim used well, and it may be 
Maybe because that's what's used in the Bible, probably. Um, after the after the flood. Yeah, he did make mention of this video because he was talking about how Moses, being the author of the first five books, used the term Nephilim and then used Nephilim again. But then in another part, he used uh, Moses used a different term. Or something. Yeah, which means like the dead ones or something like that. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I got some good tribes. I don't want to get too too much into it, but uh. Oh. Um. I'm up to like episode I don't know 114 or something on blurry creatures. And they just oh, had. Okay. You Lion. Yeah, they just well, cause, cause every you know three or four episodes is a members only, and I'm I'm waiting to become a member. I figure maybe uh, once I get up through all of them, then become a member and then catch Hold up on. on those. Don's joining us. Is he jumping in via phone? Yeah, via the the link. All right. Morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, Don. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Good, good. Excellent. We'll I was supposed to sleep in this morning. It's my day off. Oh. 6.50. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then my son comes in the room. My wife's awake. I was like, yep. That's the way it works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thanks for that. Not making Hey, on days when I can't make it to your place earlier, Pete, this works out really good. No, no problem. Yeah, it's a zoom in. Yep, yep. Um, and then uh, we might have somebody else joining you on the, the group chat that she might chime in or at least listen in as she drove to Stoughton. Okay. Yep. Uh, so let's let's do a, a kind of a recap and, and then kind of... You know, I mean, very informal. Ask questions, interrupt, um, all that. But so the last time what we were trying to do is look at the kind of the case for and against the angel view. Upside right? down, Don. You're upside down. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm recording... I'm recording the audio, so when you're upside down on video, then everything you, that, that's recorded is backwards, so we don't want that. Yeah, back, backing track. Yeah, anyway. Yep. Um, so last time we were talking about uh, sons of God, that term B'nech Elohim, that uh, the Old Testament uses about five times, I think. And so the the common commonly taught... Um, interpretation commonly in terms of uh, seminaries teaching pastors it's very common to have that interpreted as the sons of Seth marrying the daughters of Cain in in Genesis 6 4 I believe it is and so we were kind of so I looked up some videos on the people that believe that and why and so I'll just briefly run through some of their views. They think that um, because chapters 4 and 5 are talking about human genealogy, that, you know, to drop angels in chapter 6 is strange. 
Um, they say angels can't physically procreate with humans because they're merely spiritual. Um, one source was talking about the difference between the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, versus the Masoretic text, which is directly Hebrew, um, and saying that that's where we get incorrect translations, which I haven't looked into that a whole lot, and it'd be interesting to see what the what the, what the pros and cons are of the Septuagint versus the Masoretic. Okay. Um, uh, if I may, mm-hmm. I've, I've looked into that a bit, and uh, sorry, I'm like running around the house. Doing oh, that's alright. So if you look at my picture, you'll get sick from my background. <laughs> but, um, the uh, Septuagint, which uh, I believe it means the number 70, uh, six, six, um, pre, not priests, six, six scribes or whatever from every single tribe, um, you know, Judah, Dan, all of them. Okay. All those actually did the, the, did the translation into Greek. Okay. And I believe that that was kind of along God's line because, um, this happened within the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as, as you all know, um, Rome ended up, you know, making roads everywhere, basically opening up the world for the gospel to move. And the uh, main language uh, in the area when Rome took over was Greek. Okay. So they were still using the Hebrew language within the synagogue, um, but Greek actually started to become a big, a big one. There was also Aramaic that came in as a language, and that was... Um, Don, let's guess real quick. Because yeah. of that, um, would you say, wasn't the New Testament the original translation, uh, or maybe the original language that the, the authors, Paul and the, uh, the disciples, did they use uh, Greek? It would make sense would to it say... Be- yeah, it would make sense to say that, but I can't answer that uh, definitively. Okay. Yeah, um, it was, yeah. It was go ahead. That it was also said that Christ did quote some things from Septuagint, but again, that that's in the conjecture area. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that background. I don't. <clears throat> I guess. Yeah. When, when I'm thinking of those things, I don't really know. Like which one is is preferable or which one is more accurate. I, I guess the Masoretic was kind of similar to how we ended up Hold with on. the... Uh, Tamara's coming in. Oh, cool. Tamara. It's Tamara. I know, I know. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. That's all right. That's all right. Good to see you. You. So we were just talking about uh, briefly the um, the sons of Seth versus sons of or, or angel view versus Sethite view recap before we kind of move into some of the giant tribes. And so um, so just I was just briefly going through a list of some things that I found as um, op- opponents of the angel view. That it was it was just humans that was being referenced, and then Don was bringing up because one of the points was, 
While some translations use the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, and some use the Masoretic, which was kind of formulated by the uh, the Jewish leaders, so it stayed in their original language. And um, Don was sharing a bit about um, how that Septuagint came about. And I am recording the audio, so... Um, Tomorrow, when I send that out, you can kind of go back and and listen to that right before you joined in. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'll just keep in the interest of time. I'll just keep running down the list. So these are kind of the some what I found as the opponents of the angel view saying these things that um, chapter four and five are human genealogy. So why would they mention angels in chapter six and not humans? Um, they'll say angels don't are merely spiritual, don't have physical bodies. Um, they say if the angels are the ones that sinned, why is the judgment against men or humankind? And, um, they'll, uh, look at, uh, the references in Jude and Peter in the New Testament. Um, and we can talk through those verses, but proponents of the angel view, um, we tend to believe that that's referring to that event of angels coming down and they say oh no that's that's an, uh, a, a reference of the angels that fell with lucifer the rebellious angels um i've did a little bit of looking into that and it seems that like the only place in our bible we get this idea of other angels rebelling with satan is not until revelation very end of the bible um, the Apostle John was an old man. Um, he was um, uh, put on the island of Patmos as kind of a like a, a prison. And that's when he had his, his revelation. So it's the only mention that we get. So it, it does seem a little strange that Jude and Peter would be referring to that event when there really isn't any biblical context for it. Um, yeah, go ahead, Don. Um, one thing, uh, one thing that would maybe be easily over would be that there is, um, all the demon possession that they talk about throughout the New Testament. And that might, might refer to other angels that have followed, uh, him, uh, uh the devil. Um, but one other thing is that there's also, um, multitudes. So if you wanted to go back to the, translation in the King James where it says uh, it, it usually refers to devil or devils um, <clears throat> I think they call them unclean spirits so right. I don't know where that jump happened in translation but um, it seems like it refers to others other than Satan but can Satan be ten things at once probably I, I don't know yeah no that's that's a fair point and that's that's probably a very good topic Luke, would you agree to get into at some point the the origin of demons? Yeah. Are they are they fallen angels or are they the disembodied spirits of these giants? As as and my, we're hearing, and my pet actually doing a series using uh, the Gospels um, mainly as a text um, on vexed, and uh, it's already at like twelve or thirteen parts. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that would be an interesting conversation because you're right. Um, 
one of the one of the viewpoints that even my pastor didn't mention in his foundation message, the very first message, is the opinion of the origin of demons is actually so if you think of the flood taking place, worldwide flood, flood of Noah. So you had all these so if we're we're believing that there was these race of Nephilim, these race of giants, and there was this corruption around the world between uh, men and women. So there's offspring, right? So worldwide flood takes place. The physical bodies are being killed. But these are just like us. They're created with the part spirit that won't die mm-hmm. from water. So where do those spirits go? Well, they're wanting a host. They're wanting to occupy something. That's where we talk about like demon possession and that type of stuff. Yeah. Or so there's the theory that demons. Don, you cut out just for a second. I don't know if you can hear me. But the, the there's a theory that demons are actually the spirits of these. Uh, the dead that from the flood. Mm-hmm. So you know they're they're roaming around the world, and they still have those character traits of of lust and and all these different immoral type character traits that they want to want to do, and they're looking for a host to whom they can satisfy those evil desires. Right. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of kind of the origin of that. But that's but that's a that's a very good topic in and of itself that we can get into at some point. Um, oh, Don turned into a silhouette. Hopefully, he comes back. Um. Yeah. So just I'll just keep moving on there. Um. Um. They they reference in. I I don't know I don't have the verse reference but there was there's a verse that says um for when has God ever called an angel his son and so they say well therefore angels can't be his sons um and then they'll reference in Matthew um angels in heaven do not marry um even though that was that was uh an answer to a question that was posed to Jesus about Hey, what if uh, um, a woman has a husband and he dies, and then she, he, she marries another, and then over and over it happens, and then in heaven, who's going to be her husband? And Jesus is like, no, it's not going to be like that. Heaven's different, you know. They're not going to. You'll be like the angels. You won't marry. So that's kind of referring to marriage and kind of that union there. It's you know that has nothing to do with. Um, you know the ability to procreate, right? Like you don't have to have marriage to procreate. So he's not saying it can't happen. He's saying in heaven this doesn't happen. In heaven there isn't marriage. Um. All right, maybe Don is back. You back, Don? I all right. Feel like I'm back. That's okay. <laughs> Um, and then, okay, so then real briefly again, uh, affirmations of the angel view is that there's no mention of the line of Seth or Cain in that, in Genesis 6. So if they meant sons of Seth, um, you know, you'd think maybe they would just just say it. 
Um, if they meant daughters of Cain, why not just say it? Um, in the extra-biblical books, Enoch and Jubilees, it states um, angels in place of sons of God. So it has basically the same stories are talked about, the same event of um, sons of God, you know, saw the daughters of men were beautiful and married them, chose wives for themselves. Um, but in those books, it actually just says angels instead of sons of God. And then I think we mentioned on one other call the law of first mention, which is a, a, a way of interpreting the Bible. And it's not like it has to be this way, but it's just one clue for how to interpret. Like when a term or phrase is first first appears, that that gives a context of how we should look at it in general, not always, in general as it appears later. And so most, I think most agree that the book of Job was the, perhaps the oldest, uh, first, first written book of the Bible. Um, and so um, there's, there's a few times in Job where that same term, B'nai Elohim, is used. And probably the most, most prominent is in chapter 38 when God is saying, where were you when I did this and did that? And, um, and the verses, uh, uh, about when, when the sons of God saw the creation of the world. And so it's talking about when God's, God's creating and the sons of God are there. So we, we can derive that that's not humans because we weren't there yet when creation was happening. And it's the, again, it's that same B'nai Elohim that's used. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah. You just kind of, uh, just by explaining that, rebuttaled one of your words against uh, the, uh, uh, talking about when just that scripture in Ezekiel, it's talking about angels being sons it's like part of the family yeah you know um even though they're not human, human. Oh, they're, oh we got an echo <laughs> but um yeah so it's like yeah the angels are were, were created uh or a line of creation before humans were created which is interesting yeah the chronology there um this was a good one. I think I got this from, from Dante Fortson, which, um, if I can recommend it, it's only like a, a $3 Kindle book, and it's really short. But he kind of breaks down some of the arguments against the, the Sons of Seth view. Um, if the Sons of Seth are the righteous ones, so that's kind of the contention is that's being taught on the line of Seth, is that, no, the Sons of God, it means the righteous Sons of Seth. Okay, well, the text says that they were the ones that initiated choosing these these daughters of Cain, daughters of men. So if they're righteous, why would they be the ones initiating this? And then also, we don't have anything in the Bible that prohibits against the line of Seth marrying the line of Cain. So there's no there's no prohibition against this that that this was a bad thing. And then, why? How, how do we get giants from a human marrying a human? 
So that's another big problem is it says that they bore they bore giants. And then again if the if this line of Seth is righteous, why did they perish in the flood? Why weren't they weren't they saved? So there's so there's a, just a number of things to consider there. It's not definitive by any means, but um just as kind of we're looking at this. And that and that can be an ongoing discussion if people want to kind of add to that. Um that's just a very brief list that we have so far. So um but yeah, so then kind of the next thing that segued from there was okay, what evidence do we have in the Bible that there were giants and that there were different tribes that are referred to that way? And then how does that connect to when God instructs the Israelites or the Hebrews, uh, depending on the, the timeline there, um, to wipe them out, man, woman, child, and animals, in, in many cases. So... Our contention, I think Luke and I would would agree, is that it was because of this uh, DNA corruption of of the hybrid species from this initial incursion of angels coming to Earth that, you know, I mean, if we think about how the time of Noah was described, that there was so much violence and evil all the time, like unprecedented that God is like, okay, I got to deal with this with this flood. So if it's that kind of uh, creature that He's dealing with, um, then maybe the case is that they weren't fully human, and that because of not being fully human, they had these incredibly evil tendencies, and so they were they were being told to wipe out now. This, so this is a little sidebar to that. I was just listening to, I forget what episode. I'm up to like 114 or something on Blurry Creatures. And one of the guests was talking about um, skinwalkers or shapeshifters. So the ability of someone through occult um, ceremonial means to be able to turn into some other creature like an animal. And I'll have to go back and find the reference, but it was fascinating because he's talking about, um, I want to say it was the Anakim, but he was saying that they were, they were known to be able to do this, to be able to turn into animals. Through well, and, and Peter, um, my wife, uh, is from New Mexico, mm -hmm. um, and... There's a lot of, it's called the land of enchantment. Well, you have the, the Native American influence, a lot of Mexican um, pagan religions that have crept into there. And um, she, she, she could testify that she saw somebody that morphed from being a human into almost like an animal-like creature ran around the park with the speed of an animal mm -hmm. and then came back. Mm. So she she's has testimonies of, of, of seeing stuff like that even even in her life. Yeah. So, um just a question, not trying to be a smart aleck here, but, um, 
peyote, mushrooms, acid, anything like that? No, no, no. She, at, at worst, it was marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but right. I, I, that's a good question, and I would have to ask her, was she high at the time? I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll find right. the exact spot in which episode that is, but it's pretty fascinating. So he's basically saying, you know, God, knowing this, told them to wipe out the animals as well. Don't take them with because they may, you know, with the idea that they may try to disguise themselves, you know, as livestock or something like that and be able to ex- escape death. And that that makes a lot of sense that God would do that. And then even don't take any of the um, um, the idols or the uh, yeah the, the the precious metals, you know, all all, the, all their their items, because again in idol worship um, they were they were inviting evil spirits into these items. So they didn't. He didn't want them to be corrupted in that way. If some of these physical items that by themselves are nothing, but because of the practices of the people, they're inviting these spirits to inhabit them. So, and, and add to that, what the way I understood um, kind of deliverance or cleansing of your home type of practice. Um, the way I've been taught, you know, uh, a, a spirit can can be, for example, you'll you'll have certain people practicing witchcraft or different pagan religions that will take someone's hair, or uh, right. We got voodoo down here in New Orleans with uh, uh, the voodoo dolls and stuff like that. Yeah. They'll take uh, articles of somebody's and will pray over it, curse over it. And there might be um, association. Hang on, city. Um, there, there might be a demonic uh, attachment to those items. Mm-hmm. But if there is, and you could pray over it, you can cleanse it, you can can ask that to be removed. But if there's if there's a literal uh, inscription, uh, uh, an image like a uh, like an idol, like a Buddha, I would say, you know, that demon spirit has a legal right to stay on that. So you could pray over that Buddha thing all you want. It's like, legally, I get to be attached to that. Mm-hmm. So the, what the practice I was taught, and I think it's echoed in the Old Testament, God's like, no, these images of these coins that demon God pictures on them, you got to destroy them. They're not coming I don't want them in your house because there's legal uh, reasons why those spirits could be attached to those things. So I, sure. I kind of go along with what you're saying. Yeah. Like God was, you, you got to be clean. You got to be clean. Get this stuff out of the out of the the realm of where you're living. Yep. And everything. Yeah. In a, in a number of episodes of Blurry Creatures, there's guests talking about how yeah having the physical DNA like hair or something like that of different animals allows them to then be able to turn into these things. Um, there's a testimony of a, um, a guy that 
fascinating life. His name is William Schneblin. I think he grew up around Milwaukee, actually. But he he he, he lived as like uh, a Mormon, um, a Catholic, uh, a Satanist, um, a, a Druid. I mean, like he lived all these before he came to Christianity. And when he was in a high, high level of Satanism, he got the choice to be able to become a vampire or a werewolf. And he had seen his colleagues become werewolves, and it was a painful transformation. And he's like, I think I'll choose vampire. It's a little sexier. <laughs> but so there's there's precedent, is what I'm kind of getting at. As weird as it sounds, there's precedent for being able to for things to transform at least briefly through, you know, evil means. Um, the the episodes in Blurry Creatures talking about skinwalkers, the, the Navajo guest said that it always involves some sort of human sacrifice. So there's a there's someone that has to die in order for that ability to, to happen. Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting as far as um, why God would tell them to wipe all of these things out. Um, and, yeah. And then kind of, uh, we can think about Nimrod, um, into all of right. this too, because, uh, it's said that he began to be a gibberine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is the, the school of thought that this individual Nimrod was a human and then he became to be something else. Right. Almost like he began to be, um, it's almost like he tainted his DNA, similar to how the hybrids were a mixture. And I know there's a lot of uh, different um, Luciferian organization that look to Nimrod as something that they would like to transcend to, like a human 2.0. Like, wow, he actually did it years ago, transcended his current state into something different. They're like, that's that's something we need to get back to, you know. Yep. Um, so yeah. that's just another another example, and and in the Bible of somebody changing from one thing to another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, any other comments or questions on that? I mean, we're not trying to be exhaustive, and we can always jump back and forth as we keep talking about it, and we're not trying to say we're authorities on any of this stuff, but just kind of piecing one thing together and seeing if it's, seeing if it makes sense. We talk about um, uh, vampires, uh, werewolves, and things like that. Were the, um, was the, the thought that they were um, uh, Hollywood type, or were they the, like a whole different kind of idea? Meaning, like a vampire that would maybe feed on something different, like um, life force or something like that. Right. Well, in, in, good question. In terms, yeah. Do you think of those terms? Think, do you think of uh, you think of Hollywood? You think of movies? Um, in my mind, when it comes to a vampire, and that was a character trait of the Nephilim, the giants, and their offspring, was cannibalism, drinking of blood, and then. What did God say in the law? He said, do not, do not consume blood. So there's these practices that were immoral that the cultures 
uh, the heathen cultures outside of the Israelites were doing and were influenced by the, the Nephilim and, and their offspring that they were starting to, to do. And God's like, don't be like them. You know, I want you, I want you separate. I want you different. I want you holy because when you do those things, it taints you, it corrupts your, your yourself. So, yeah, right, but, that's, that's, um, and that's, uh, I, 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 there, there's a, there's a, a good guest, pretty, pretty far, far out there stuff that I just listened to where he's talking about the difference between transgression and sin and iniquity. And iniquity is like a, a perversion that, like you just, you just described Luke, where it's, it, it changes you. And, um, so I think, I think that has some ties to like, where God says the iniquity iniquity of the father will pass down three or four generations, I think that there's actually a, a genetic change that takes place. Like, if we are, you know, say we um, have have an alcoholic father or something like that, or if we become one, like there's a genetic predisposition. So like, or even or even if I eat like a terrible diet and then I you know i have i have a kid like i've i've affected my genetic line by my lifestyle like so there's 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 connections there um yeah no but briefly uh down on on to kind of add to what luke said to the to your question what the the testimony of this one person was when he was a satanist was it it was a literal thing that they had the ability to to become and according to him, and again, this is just anecdotal, but he said when, when he was a vampire, he said there was like a whole year where he lived on nothing but blood. So obviously, you got to have some serious evil power in you to survive physically on nothing but blood. Um, another, I, yeah. would, I would venture to guess, because uh, uh, going back to even my wife and other things that I've heard of the, the the term i don't know if you guys have heard of it astro project yeah does that sound uh, yeah where, where you're outside of your body project. yeah so a bent a bent uh so it's kind of like let's say you're laying on your bed and if you have this ability and it's you're you're yeah you're you're tapping into the spiritual realm and you're literally taking your spirit i don't know if you guys can hear. I can hear. Um, Don might have dropped off. Okay. But basically, you you could take your spirit and then go. I could, I could go ease, eavesdrop on you in Wisconsin. Right. So doing that, my physical body is still still here in Louisiana, but I am through the power of a demonic spirit. Yeah. Because this is something that God wants us to tap into. You're using a demon spirit to connect your 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 spirit because we're made spirit soul and body mm -hmm. so you're doing something that's unlawful in god's eyes and you're you're project you're you're actually seeing through your spirit and you physically can go to different parts of the globe yep so you're using a demonic spirit to do that yeah and i'm better to guess that this testimony of the satanist he's using demon spirit to manipulate his spirit, his soul, well, probably his his physical body. Okay. 
um, to desire. We're talking about how these spirits desire things that God said is unlawful. Yeah. Drinking a blood is one of them. Right. Okay. So uh, there is a spirit that is almost like a vampire spirit, a spirit that desires blood. Right. It's going to inhabit that person that welcomed it. And now it's using that person's body as a host to consume that lustful desire of consuming the blood. Sure. Yeah. Um, to add to that, so um, some real good books from an ex-Satanist. His name is John Ramirez. And he's got some real good books on prayer and different things. But his, um, his life story, I believe, is called Out of the Devil's Cauldron. And he was very, very high up in, I think it's called Palo Mayambe, um, but it's a it's a witch, witchcraft, Satanist kind of thing. It was in his family, well, so he grew up with it, and he became really high level. But he talks about yeah astral projection. He would he would basically like fly through neighborhoods, you know, and and cast down curses on neighborhoods. He'd go go into hospitals and you know, cast down curses so people would die, they wouldn't they wouldn't recover in the hospital, all these things that he used to do. So yeah, that's that's a real thing that you know, and, and so what I what I kinda gather as I'm listening to all this weird stuff on, on the show and then we're talking about it is there so so one way I think to think of occult powers, demonic powers why why does you know blood drinking or sacri- you know sacrifice or sins create a, create a tapping into some sort of power and there se- so there seems to be like a way that god knows and his enemies know the devil and his angels and the demons they know how spiritual and physical things operate like according to certain like we have we have laws of physics right we we have yeah cause and effect like we we can you know we have textbooks on on how we've discovered mathematical laws or laws of science and different things we're like yeah this is repeatable it happens over and over this is how this is how this works and so it's it's like, and even all the false religions too, like if you get into like new age beliefs or like they're all hearkening back to something that's actually true. Like, you know, about how the world works and how people get power from different, diff, in different ways. And most of it obviously is forbidden because it leads you down a bad path away from God, you know, gets gets you connected with with evil spirits and so on but that's that's kind of like you know it goes back to the angels coming down in in enoch it talks about all the the different things that the the watcher angels were teaching mankind like about making weapons about all sorts of things i'd have to go back to the text but so all all these different principles of how to how to manipulate things and how to do things you know they're they're pretty smart and they know how those things work 
Yeah, go ahead. Um, th this is just kind of, uh, I, I thought about that quite a bit as to where the skills of human beings came from because mm. it's like the, you know, if, if the, uh, uh, the scientific exception, uh, you know, the evolution thing, um, the trial and error that it would take to make a cake would be so unbelievably absolutely you know yeah you know it just that that's one thing that i i mean I, I come back to a cake because it's like how would anyone know that it's this and this and this now obviously there might be some experimentation but you have to have a, a, an initial idea of what a cake is going to be before you're going to start making it yeah or start working with it yeah back in the day i mean it's not like we had material that you could waste in trying to figure out you know how to bake a cake but that's that's, that's true kind of my limited resources no that's an excellent point don and that's actually gets addressed in i'll have to chronicle these this was another blurry creatures episode where they're talking about that and so think of a cake well think of something much more dangerous mushrooms most mushrooms in the wild will kill you how in the world did they know that this one is going to, you know, cause you to have this hallucinogenic experience? You're not going to die. There was you couldn't do much trial and error there. Right. So yeah, there's a ton of things that are like, where did we even get the basis to start this understanding? Um, but uh, Peter, yeah, I think you you hit it head. So as we're we're taught through uh, Enoch and 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 others that. This knowledge was passed on both good and evil things. Um, so there was definitely uh, an understanding by obviously our Creator and then also His created built beings, the angels. So they all were intelligent and instructed, both in good ways and bad ways, knew. The cause and effect of if you do this, this is outcome's going to happen, mm -hmm. and, God, and it's either going to cause you to tap into more things, it's going to make you desire evil things, or it's going to cause you to get closer to Yahweh, get closer to me. It's going to um, keep you holy, keep you pure. It's not going to as uh, scripture talks about how it, when we sin, we we make a uh, an, an avenue where the devil can attack us. Mm -hmm. But now we have an advocate through the New Testament, Jesus, to wash us, cleanse us. We can make a hedge of protection. We can protect ourselves. When you look at Job, Job was righteous and 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 was protected. He was living a moral life. And there is this protection. Now, if he would have done these certain things that were taught, he Satan would have had to petition God to attack. Oh, Job. right. Would have had just you know, the, the, the legal right there. It's, so it's interesting. It's a legal understanding that we don't have. The angels, Satan, God knows the laws that are that, that are written. Right. Yeah. What if you do this? You know, it's like we're born into this world. We have no idea what the laws are. Mm -hmm. you know, we're born into this sinful 
Yeah. Gosh. Imagine a, imagine sure. if we uh, got dropped into a football game. and w- Let's say we were born in the 1500s and we got dropped into 2022 in the middle of a Packer game and with all our gear on and told to play. Like, we would get annihilated. We would get flags thrown at, at us. We, we wouldn't have any idea of how the rules operate because the people that have been there for years and years know how it works. And that's that's exactly, we're talking about ancient spirits that have been around for thousands of years. Um, the one thing I would, uh, depending on how you were born and raised back in the 1500s, um, you might go through a line killing all the football players too. So I mean, by bring your spear <laughs> or something. Um, there's different uh, lifestyles with different uh, periods, and um, I mean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to from uh, you know back at those days. So maybe right. I get it's kind of a hard tie-in here to what we're talking about, but. When it comes to the angels and stuff like that, talking or teaching or warfare, weaponry, things like that, all going on as, you know, as once we got into the uh, 20th century where, um, you know, maybe some whispers in the ears of uh, Mr. Gatlin or all these uh, different weapons, it's like, you know, this is way better because this will destroy X, Y, Z. So... Yeah, makes yeah, and I, makes you wonder. And I, th- I, I think if you look at what happened with Jesus after he was baptized and the spirit, the spirit of the Lord came on him, and God and God the Father said, "This is my beloved Son." He went into the wilderness, right? And it's documented in the Gospels that Satan tempted Jesus and said, "Here, all the the kingdoms of the world." bow down and worship me and I will give this authority, this power, this whatever. How many men have have taken that offer? You know, when you look at politicians, when you look at musicians, when you look at all these different things. It's Lord of the they, Rings. They, they, they've embraced and taken a part of themselves. And I think I'm of the opinion that even if someone does that, makes a pact with the, the enemy, to gain worldly stuff. I'm of the opinion if you're still breathing, there's still life in your body, even somebody that's become a werewolf or a vampire, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're still human and there's still breath in their body. There's still a God that can save them, that can yeah. turn them from that. I don't think it's anybody's permanently lost. But my point of bringing that up is, Obviously, we're seeing this transaction that we're talking about in Genesis 6. The angels go to me, the father. I've got this beautiful set of daughters. And then there's a there's an agreement. Give me your daughters. I will give you this. I'll give you knowledge. I will give you wisdom and these arts that mm-hmm. I don't know about. Mm-hmm. So there's a transaction that takes place. And you see it taking place throughout. I'm of the opinion, and and I've done some research dealing with uh, Hitler, dealing with the Nazis, dealing with their occult practices and stuff like that, that even in our 
last hundred years, there's been transactions that have been made just like in ancient times. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing an, an explosion of knowledge and technology that's taken place. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, there's plenty of evidence to it, but it's interesting that Jesus was tempted in that way, but there's been many men who have taken that offer. Yeah. And, yeah, that's that's Lord of the Rings. You know, right away, yeah. that's you remember the opening opening five minutes of Lord of the Rings is, you know, these rings of power were given to these kings, right? But they they didn't they didn't know what it was going to cost them. They just thought, oh, this is great. Um, yeah. And what's the thing in Jurassic Park? It's like we're too busy thinking about whether we could. We didn't stop to think whether we should. Whether we should, yeah. You know, yep. You've got the humanistic side of things that are not thinking about God, that are just thinking about this planet and its natural stuff. Well, if I can genetic, uh, genetically change my DNA and become a human 2.0 or create super soldiers as, as DARPA and China and others are, are working on right now, you know, to elevate ourselves mm -hmm. then it's the old lie in genesis you won't die you can yep. live forever you can morph into something that's the whole transhumanist movement of today right is you don't need god to you, you can do it this way yeah yeah so there is a connection between the genesis 6 narrative and what's going on right yeah we'll we're gonna i'm, I'm sure we'll flesh that out <laughs> Flesh that out much yeah. more in the future. It's, it's how that ties into like Mark of the Beast and in Revelation where it says they will seek for death and not find it. So they literally won't be able to kill themselves, it seems. But uh, I know we're getting close on time and, um, and we haven't got too much in it. And that's okay because it's a lot of good discussion. And we'll pick it up from here next time. But let's just briefly go through some of the mentions of tribes that are described as giants. Um, so in Deuteronomy 9, you have the Anakim, and then in, um, Joshua 14 and 15, you have this person, Arba, the father of Anak, and, um, Anak is, it can mean neck, referring to the, to the size of their neck, or also Canaanite. Um, and so then you have uh, Goliath, who was of the tribe of Gath. And uh, I'm kind of going off of memory here because I don't, my, my notes I didn't write down very complete. But so it, it, I believe it came from Arba to then Anak. And then the sons of Anak uh, went to Gath. Um, the in Joshua 11, it says the Anakin re remained in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So that's how kind of just how that lineage of of from Arba, who may have been a first generation Nephilim, we don't really know, but that line led to Goliath. Um, and then real briefly on Goliath, um, I don't know. Maybe if you guys want to check this out about the the length of a cubit 
if I know there are there's a standard cubit of 18 inches there's the royal cubit which is 20 or 22 inches I don't know if there's any that are shorter than that it's from what I've heard it's the shortest is 18 but that would put um, Goliath at about uh, nine foot nine so he was six cubits in a span which is six and a half cubits and then if you and then it also describes his the weight of his armor um, and things he was holding and it was easily 200 pounds so um, you know I know I've I've heard it said you know oh Goliath was he was like he was like six six and the Israelites are like five three you know so, but, okay, if he's wearing 200 pounds of armor, you know, a 6'6 guy is going to be, what, 250 pounds? Yeah, you, you wouldn't be too effective in battle, um, for one thing. And then um, it, it describes in, I think it's in Numbers, that when the spies came back from Canaan, so kind of jumping around here, uh, when they came back from Canaan, they were so fearful of what the the spies said about the inhabitants of the land, they wanted to go back to Egypt and be slaves again. So, I'm sorry if if we're talking about six foot six, you know, even seven foot guys. Would would you rather go back to being a slave than fight, you know, seven foot guys? I don't I don't think that makes a lot of sense. The only other time, to my knowledge, that the that the Israelites said that is when they were thinking they were going to starve to death with uh, Moses. They're out in the desert. They're like, it was better in Egypt. We had all kinds of food, you know. Let us go back there. So, you know, when their when their life is on the line, basically, they're like, yeah, Egypt's better. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, in Numbers 13, 32, and 33, it says the land devours its inhabitants. The men were of great stature. We saw the giants. They were, we were like grasshoppers to them. Um, let's see. I think that's all. Oh, so, okay. Some of the tribes. So there's the Emims in Deuteronomy 2, 10, and 11 are described as giants. In Deuteronomy 2, there's the Zamzumans. And then a few other tribes I mentioned, and I, I'm sorry I don't have the references, but there's Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites, and Canaanites that are described as being of great stature. Um, yeah, so, and kind of the land devours its inhabitants, that idea is like, and we know there was cannibalism going on, and that's kind of that idea that even all of the resources of food couldn't sustain these things that they they turned to cannibalism the land it devours itself yeah pete you you hit uh, a bunch of those uh, i think number 13 is is a very interesting account of the spies and um as you i think named near the end there um it describes this uh uh some of the tribes that were there, yeah, um, and it and it said in the number thirteen twenty nine, the Am Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwelt in the mountains, and the Canaanites 
dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And, uh, and these were all, all part of those tribes. Um, and I, I watched uh, a lecture from L.A. Mazzulli, and there was an ancient rock uh, with carving on it in, uh, for a while, an unknown transcript that was recently uh, interpreted. And it was found up in the north, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, somewhere up in there. And guess what? It, the inscription on there has the, the term Canaanites on it. Mm-hmm. So, and as we read in the scriptures, so you have giants that were before the flood, they're wiped out. Genesis 6 says there was giants or Nephilim after the flood. We're seeing examples of this in the promised land. Mm-hmm. And as the conquest of Joshua, Caleb, King David, pushing them out, they're spreading around the world. If they don't get killed off, they're running for their lives because God is empowering the Hebrews to take them over. Yep. So they're going, and there's accounts in Peru and other places that these are Native Americans of these giants arriving to their lands. Yep. And then, and yep. then that, doing even, things. And there's, stuff, even, so there's even uh, Native American um, stories that say that uh, the Great Flood that the creator sent the great flood to wipe these things out. That's even comes from native American, um, history, but yeah, we've got, we've got evidence of, of Hebrew, uh, writing in, in North America. We've got Canaanite altars. There's, there's evidence of these things being found. And then of course we can get into all the megaliths and stuff that were built. And, you know, the native Americans are like, we didn't build these mounds. We didn't build these things. They say themselves yeah. they didn't build them. So, um, <clears throat> but that's that goes off into another <laughs> whole thing we can it, get into it, another time. But Numbers 13, is a, the, the spies account is really interesting because you get the different tribes and where they live. And then at the very end, as you, you quoted, um, we saw the giants, the descendants of the Anak came from the giants. So these were descendants from the original uh, Nephilim. Nephilim is the Hebrew for giant. And like you said, uh, they, that we were like grasshoppers in our, own, in our own sight, and so they were in their sight. Yeah. Again, I don't think, I mean, you could say maybe hyperbole, but are you really going to use that language if someone's a foot taller than you or two feet right. taller than you? I don't, you know. And um, yeah, and then I guess Arba was the was the father of Anak. So descendants of Anak. So some have said, oh, these um, these Nephilim were were sterile. Once they mated with humans, they couldn't give birth. And but right there we have from Arba to Anak to descendants, and then um, they settled in Gath. So that may have may have been a lineage of Goliath and his four brothers. Um, but yeah, let's look at next time. Let's look at uh, numbers thirteen more in detail. I think that's a good place to hone in on. And then, and then, just each of us kind of look through and see what tribes are described in these ways. And then, hopefully, we can try to map out. Okay, was did God ask 
this tribe to get totally wiped out? You know, because in my mind, that's the case for why he was God was justly, you know, did this, why he did the flood. It wasn't just sin. It was actually preserving human DNA so that um, the Messiah could come. You know, if you think about the, the promise to Abraham that through you I will bless every nation on earth. I mean, that's directly talking about the Messiah because what's the, the greatest blessing God ever gave us was the Messiah, and it came through his chosen people. So the idea that Satan tried to pollute human DNA, uh, whether it was his idea or he tempted the, the watchers to come down and, and mate with women, how we don't know. But then, then when that didn't work and Noah and his family was preserved, then they tried to pollute Israel because at that point then God had taken a, a nation for himself. So now Satan's going after Israel and trying to get them, you know, swayed into doing what these other nations are doing and and marrying. So you see God's mercy in all of this, like, nope, wipe these out. Don't marry them. You know, he's he's making sure that the Messiah can come through just like he's prophesied. Because God can't go back on his word, so he said it's going to come through the seed of Eve in Genesis. And so it's it's got to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, through through the seed of uh, and and it's and it's the seed war that's um, playing out through the scriptures. I'm going to read Genesis three. You just talked about mm-hmm. it. Um, I'll, I'm this is Genesis three and uh, and fifteen, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. He's talking to Eve. God is. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So God is describing that she has a seed. So it's interesting that he's, he's, God says that Eve will have a seed, but males are the only ones that have seeds. So it's kind of, to me, it's telling me that there's going to be a virgin birth because... It's through her oh, right. generation. Yeah. So she obviously had offspring and stuff, you know, but eventually we get to Mary, right? Mm-hmm. The seed of that came through Mary was from God. Right. You know, um, and then what then you, he's making reference that the devil. So we talk about does angels procreate? Why would God say that? When referring to Lucifer or to Satan, the serpent, that there, that he had seed. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so, it's it obviously after those words were spoken, the enemy saw. Through the words of God, like, oh, he's going to come after me through humans. Mm -hmm. And so I need to corrupt humans to try to stop him. And then you see the whole explosion three chapters later in Genesis 6. Right. Which was stopped by God with the flood. But then there's what appears to be 
another attempt in, in the promised land and other places. And then, and then you fast forward to today, it's like, okay, well, I think Dr. Laura Singler with her book from um, Neph- tracing the character traits of the Nephilim oh, yeah. all the way to the, to the Federal Reserve is really interesting. Mm-hmm. There's podcast, as you know, Pete. But um, it's, yeah, so it's, it's this Old Testament story, this war that's been going on leading up to the final conclusion uh, in, in the book of Revelation. And um, I, I, I would love to do a study on prophecies mm-hmm. because I, I was told uh, through a, a minister that there's 2,500 prophecies in, in the scriptures. Hmm. And 2,000 of them have been fulfilled. Oh, wow. A lot. A lot of them by Jesus himself. Yep. You know, and that no other religion in the world has prophecies like that. Right. You know, we got we got several hundred prophecies that haven't came to pass yet. Yeah. But we've got evidence of it was spoken here, it was fulfilled here, it was spoken here, it was fulfilled here. Mm-hmm. And no other religion in the world has a deity that died and then rose again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fa- so fascinating a distinctions. Living, a living deity, a living creator, a living God that is coming again to restore the family. Mm-hmm. Just like he set out to do from Genesis, he's going to fulfill it in completion in the future. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's Just, great. All right. Well, any, anything else, guys? I think we can we can probably wrap up there, and I I did record it redundantly, so um, I'll get uh, I'll get the audio posted somewhere, um, and uh, yeah, so that's great, good good discussion, and and keep digging in. Like um, we don't purport to have all the answers, but it's kind of um, as as one blurry creature guest put it, uh, creating a mosaic that that starts starts to take shape the picture starts to take shape when we understand um the old testament and what was going on better and i think i think it's i think it i think we the bible loses a lot of its meaning and potency when we take some of this supernatural stuff out and explain it away and i and and it if and again if it is true then we're then we're hurting ourselves and others if we're saying, no, God just wiped these people out because he's God and he gets to, you know. But if there's better answers for that, if there's if there's actually merciful answers that he's trying to preserve the Messiah, which is you know the greatest gift he's ever given us, um, then it then it makes a lot more sense. Like everything that he does is is trying to bring us back into the family, right? So he's, as Michael Heiser says, there's the, there's the angels who are God's family in heaven, and God wanted to have a family on this place called earth. And the, you know, the, the parable of uh, the prodigal son is about getting humans back into the family. So, yeah. 
So we'll we'll leave off there, and I'll send you guys out the audio, and hopefully we can do it again next week. I, uh, sorry, I had like a distracted morning, but it was very good to listen in on. So thanks for allowing me to do that today. Happy to do it. Go ahead. I'm at my destination, so I'm going to let you guys go. But thanks again for having me, and probably next week, but if not, I'm going to try to at least um, be consistent on every other week. Sounds good. Good to see you. You guys. All right, bye-bye. Pete, real quick, um, I'll I'll take a transcript instead. So if you want to type that up for me, oh um, yeah, please. Yep, I'll will send you the transcription <laughs> uh, bill. <laughs> yeah. All right, never mind. I'll just listen to the audio. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably easier that way. Is it? Is, I'm just curious on how it came through in the recording. I, I don't know that I want to listen to my, all this again, but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's good to be. It's, it's. I think a lot of this, like you said, Peter, kind of the purpose of getting together and doing this is because we've listened to so much. Mm-hmm. You almost need to write it down or mm-hmm. type it up. Yep. You know, like a fan free or an outline or something. Yeah, an outline for sure. So you kind of organize your thoughts on on all the different nuggets that you're you're consuming because it's hard to remember them all and to regurgitate it but if it's if, if it's there's an outline there that you know that that would help all of our understandings and kind of solidify yeah uh, i i think that's a that's an excellent goal and it's kind of what michael heiser says he did with the unseen realm it's it's nothing original to him not one thought he said he says, my job is to synthesize this information into one place. So I think that that would be a very valuable thing as we're talking about, you know, the Sethite view versus angel, the the tribes and their origins and how they were described. Like there's all these different areas that we can hopefully eventually organize, put in an outline and, you know, ha- have as a resource. And say, and we don't have to reinvent yeah. the wheel. No, no, it's it's I mean, out there. For L.A. Missouli, there's so many that have done countless decades of research on this stuff. Yep. Um, yes. So if I could plug real quick, just because it was on the topic the last couple weeks for us, you know, it's a three dollar Kindle book called uh, um, from Dante Fortson, F O R T S O N. I'm sorry that that was the um. The, the author is the one that was speaking that uh, YouTube video. Yes, you yes, on that last video. And um, L.A. Marzulli gave him a very high compliment um, that his book on, I forget which book it was that he wrote, but he said it was the best, best put-together book on the subject of um, the line of Seth, I believe. If I might be misquoting that, but L.A. Marzulli was giving him high praise for his work and steve quayle is has has um referenced his work too so he's right in the mix of kind of some of the these guys that we've known and respected for a while on on these topics so it's a three dollar kindle book and it's really short but i think it's got some good questions and answers to 
to this to this Sethite view, and um, and hopefully that gives us because we want to know what we believe and why, and be able to answer skeptics, you know. And that's then that's okay if we're skeptical. If we're with the skeptical ones, like we got to know ourselves. So, yeah. So I'll send out a link to that if you guys are interested. All right. We'll, Hi. We'll, Thank you. You're welcome. Don, thanks for joining. We'll we'll oh, see you guys time. next time. All right. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Days of Noah podcast. My name is Pete. My brother Luke was on the other line calling in from the great state of Louisiana. Join us next week. We're going to continue the discussion trying to understand the times we're in uncovering the past connecting it with the present discerning the future